Hi, my name is Eva Fisher, and this is the Electric City Culture Cast, broadcasting every other Wednesday at 7 o'clock p.m. on Trent Radio 92.7 FM. This week, we bring you audio from Arts Vote Peterborough, a municipal all-candidates debate on the arts held at the Market Hall on October 16, 2018. In this broadcast, leaders from each table summarize the ideas that candidates expressed concerning the issues, opportunities, and challenges facing the local arts, culture, and heritage sector in Peterborough. The opinions of the table leaders do not necessarily reflect the opinions of EC3 or of Trent Radio. ArtsVote coalition partners include EC3, Trent Radio, ArtSpace, The Market Hall, The Theatre on King, The Peterborough Symphony Orchestra, Orchestras Canada, Public Energy Performing Arts, Showplace Performance Centre, and the Peterborough Singers. Before we look into Arts Vote Peterborough, we're going to hear from Executive Director of EC3, Sue Ditta, about why we do Arts Vote Peterborough. Hi, this is Sue Ditta, and I wanted to talk to people today about the importance of voting in elections, whether they're federal, provincial, or municipal, and how important it is for arts organizations to pay attention to what candidates think about arts, culture, and heritage policy, and what their stance is on funding in those areas. Um, Arts Vote goes back quite a few years in Peterborough, probably for about 18 years. Different ad hoc organizations and committees have been organizing Arts Vote events. Art Spaces organized them. And for the past three or four years, the Electric City Culture Council has for federal, provincial, and municipal elections. This year, we wanted to have candidates get to know us. We wanted to get to know them. We wanted to gather their ideas. And Arts Vote Peterborough 2018 brought a very different approach to the municipal election and to all candidates' debates. We had a conversation with mayoralty candidates and we did roundtable speed dating events on different topics of critical importance to artists and arts organizations in Peterborough. That's what this program is all about. And now we have our recording from Arts Vote Peterborough. This was recorded by Rob Hailman. All right, Pan and Eva Fisher, you have the first question. Can you tell us what it was? So we were at table one, and our question was to ask the candidates about their knowledge of and connection to the arts in Peterborough. And specifically, we started by asking what was the last arts event that they attended and how they personally support the arts. And happily, the answers were quite long. So we actually didn't have um, time to ask everyone also, how would you describe the art scene in Peterborough? And why is it important for the city to support the arts? So I'm going to give it to Hannah for the responses. All right, so we had a number of people who um, had young family members that they supported in various art endeavors. Um, we had a couple of candidates who recently employed artists in their places of work. Um, there were many music and theater fans. A few folks have been to TTOK, uh, the first Friday art crawls, a couple arts week people. Um, and in terms of why it's important to support the arts, um, everyone seemed to be in agreement that uh, the arts is an economic asset to the city. Um, it welcomes people to the community and keeps people here and keeps people who live here happy. Someone said that we need to create a place uh, that people love and uh, most of the candidates, all of the candidates were in agreement that uh, there is lots to love in the arts. 
Let's see, uh, Sheila Wood also advocating for the official plan. Very passionate about that, get it in there. It's not right now, it should be much more present in the official plan. Um, those, are the, those are the ones that uh, stood out to me. And, uh, but in general, I think you've got some good candidates here. Thanks, Bill. We are walking around anyway. It would not be the first time in the history of Peterborough that there was an increase to the base in that program, or that council passed a motion having it go up by, I call it the mill rate, I know it's not called the mill rate anymore, but. Um, so that's really great to know that there's support for that and for our arm's length peer assessment that's fabulous. Uh, table three. Do you want me up there? Or? Alicia, come on up here, I get lonely. <laughs> So our question was, how could the city provide direct support to individual artists to create new work? And so I think most of our candidates are in favor of individual grants, or grants for individual artists, rather. Um, I heard from a lot of our existing councillors all about murals, which is a bit of a tense topic for a lot of artists in Peterborough, I think. <laughs> we don't necessarily appreciate the murals quite as much as you do, I don't think. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and the applause will kind of tell you something there, I think. Um, what else? Uh, there were some standard ideas from Kim Zippel. She had a whole list of things. Poet laureates, which we've kind of already done, although there's a lot of disagreement oh, yeah. from the councillors about what has happened there, which I thought was interesting. They also yeah, want the poets to pay for it. Yes, that's what's interesting, and I'm going to investigate. <laughs> EC3 will clarify that for us, because it's <laughs> confusing. Um, Alright, so other Kim's ideas were art inc arts incubators in the same kind of capacity as uh, like our entrepreneurial arts inc or incubators work. Um, more installations, info kiosks designed by artists, artists in the city hall lobby, a few people had that idea. Um, living wages for contributions. Um, a couple of people, Jim Russell and Kim Zippel, both pointed out that housing assistance, rent supplements. Um, which I think is a great idea, um, but specifically for artists. Um, and she also said, take artists to the Association of Municipal Ontario Conference, um, which I thought was really interesting. No one else, I would never have even thought of that. A lot of talk about getting the city to, you know, increase their arts consumption and how they pay for the arts. Several people said that we should have an arts officer at City Hall. Jane Davidson pointed out that the arts are kind of a barometer of health in the community, which I like. And that the people, this, a lot of people said that the people who are making the funding decisions should be experts in the arts. I think that was kind of a common thread as well. Um, and Zach Hatton and Jim Russell both pointed out that we need to talk to the artists and ask them what they need. I think we can all appreciate that. And um, that's probably about it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That was me. Oh, table four, <laughs> then table four. Jeff Macklin and Annie Yeager on gentrification. That's right, we talked about gentrification at our table, um, about uh, how to curb damaging effects of gentrification, how to ensure renowned heritage architecture is preserved, and could artists play a role in uh, ensuring that artist spaces are available. 
Now, one of the things, main points that came out of our conversation was that there's a misunderstanding across the board of what uh, revitalization and gentrification actually mean and how that reflects on uh, different communities. So there needs to be some education between artists and the city as well. Um, yeah, so there's a big gap between what, uh, between artists, city council, and staff as well. We hear a bit of blame thrown at staff, a bit of blame thrown at council, and that artists are uh, not, they're not informed on what artists need. Uh, we need to finish our official plan, and we need to these things to have teeth. There's a cultural strategic plan as well that's not incorporated or is incorporated into the strategic plan. There's a little late plan that exists out there that I never heard of till tonight, which could reflect uh, on that development that's being proposed down on Little Lake. So this Little Lake plan, what's that all about? And there's also a plan about downtown that often gets ignored. Um, a heritage registry, we need it to be completed and enforced. Um, new developments need to have a 10% requirement for mixed use. So 10% set aside for artists or affordable housing. Uh, like the way Toronto does, so you can't build something unless it has that. So subdivision being put um, east of Liftlock, 10% of the units have to be affordable. So were there some um, councillor candidates who supported that? Um, uh, a lot of them. A lot of them are for that, but for, uh, there's a bit of confusion of why that isn't in place already. Okay. Like why, why other cities do that, but we don't do that. Okay. There seems to be a, on a few topics there was some of that. Um, we need to incentivize developers, but what we also heard is um, developers, for some reason, say they can't make money developing in downtown Peterborough and allowing those mixed use things to happen. But how is it happening in other cities? But we have these incentives in place, but they're not helping. And why aren't they helping? And why are we looking at why we're missing out? Because when you look at 13,000 suburban lots on the books for Peterborough, and nobody can identify any cultural or I mean uh, any uh, affordable housing or infilling that's going on in downtown. It doesn't exist. And uh, there was a lot of talk about uh, revitalization and comp and keeping facades. And uh, this seems to be a big trend. And is that a real thing that we need to be doing, or can we actually use buildings in the state that they're in? Because there was some talk about the cost of, of fixing up an existing building is the same as tearing it down and building a new one. So why aren't we just fixing up old buildings as well to make them more livable? Does that make sense? It does. I know Marvin Zyber talked about that yes. quite a bit in her, her talk at one of our cultural meetings. Yeah. Okay. Anything else that any, any, I'm looking at you, do you want to add anything? But as a, as a citizen, we've heard about the 407 and all the great things it's going to do for Peterborough for a, a decade and a half. How is this a big surprise? Okay, so I'm hearing some things we can definitely follow up on um, with information. Thanks very much, Table 4. Justin Lane. Table five. What was your question? Table five. Uh, table five was all business, um, but we had arguably the most abstract question. Uh, we definitely did. Most people needed clarification. 
on um, what lens of culture means. So our question was the municipal cultural plan states that every aspect of city planning should be viewed through a quote, lens of culture in terms of processes in city building. Um, we asked them to use recent examples to share how they think the application of a cultural lens might have affected decision making in the city. Uh, we couldn't get to our B question um, because we normally have three people from the table. What was the B question, Justin? Uh, what impact has the MCP, the municipal cultural, municipal cultural plan, had on the ACH sector? Arts, culture, and heritage sector, yeah. And what does it mean for our future? Okay. Um, so we had um, a lot of response. Um, I one, only one person actually said that every type of decision should be made through a cultural lens. Whoop. And I, I had to laugh and look at another person at our table <laughs> because that's the most obvious answer. Um, <laughs> we had a lot of, um, uh, that was Kenny. Kenny. Um, we, uh, yeah. Sure. Sure. Um, what do we have a lot of? We had a lot of, one thing that seems to be kind of resonating here tonight, and I'm glad Alicia brought up the murals because I think this speaks to that, is um, importance of decorative bike racks and benches. And, and I understand that as, as a kind of window dressing when the real work has been done. Um, that would be nice as, um, if we were doing more uh, important things, then you could worry about the, the benches and bike racks and stuff. And not that I don't appreciate that. Uh, some uh, gentleman, uh, Stephen Wright, I believe, um, had more of a kind of uh, concrete way of talking about that. Um, just talking about how, and Kenny also talked about that, how the little things um, can actually have a profound effect. But I mean, I, I think we can all agree that we should be focusing on some more central issues first before we get to what the things we lock our bikes to. Um, uh, oh, uh, Dean brought up uh, uh, Stomp and Tom Park, the Bethune and Stewart Street, which I kind of like the idea of. Um, Kim Zippel, I agree with Alicia. Oh, sorry, I'm always over time. <laughs> Just an over time. Uh, no casino, uh, Kim Zippel, thank you for that. Um, the importance of the Canoe Museum uh, from Gary Baldwin. Um, we had, we had so many different answers at our table that it was hard to condense it down because when you're talking about a lens of culture, that can mean almost anything. And trust me, we got almost any answer. Um, so uh, Jim Russell, actually, uh, a really quick uh, idea. Jim Russell said uh, the importance of TRC uh, for the next generation, um, but also uh, territorial acknowledgments at council, which apparently isn't being done. Uh, that's a really easy thing that you could just do tomorrow. Um, those are the things we were looking for. Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good point to end on. Thanks, Dustin. He is a poet after all. Um, you know, we included that question because it's um, it's in the municipal cultural plan, and we're not sure exactly what it means. And I think it's time that we figured that out and brought some clarity to it and some some rigor to it. Okay, who's up next? Table number five? Six. six. Table number six. Question number six. Okay. Um, so our question uh, was straightforward and also very challenging for everyone to answer. Um, so the question was, how can the city empower Indigenous arts and artists in Peterborough? Um, and we had, generally speaking, um, kind of consensus from 
Uh, pretty much every candidate. Um, number one, I would say, was education, um, which is key, I think. Uh, generally speaking, at a municipal level, we are starting at ground zero in terms of how we can empower and support Indigenous arts and artists. Um, so, uh, in terms of education, consultation was a key component, and that meant um, actually asking Indigenous people what they want and not telling them what they need, uh, which is a real revolutionary idea. Um, and, um, and to back all of that is a budget. Um, so acknowledging uh, that um, a lot of the good ideas that um, were suggested, the education and the consultation, uh, all need to be supported through um, a budgetary line uh, specifically for this and that it's not rolled into um, other line items within the city's uh, structure. Um, another point that came up uh, was uh, Dean, Dean Papasu suggested that we need a position at City Hall that's a liaison engagement officer, uh, a person who can, um, you know, be part, begin this process on an ongoing basis of uh, education, but also reaching out to indigenous communities and artists and, and um, uh, as to what they want. Um, an important part of that, uh, that office that would be created was that it would have some autonomy, so that it would not necessarily be um, uh, still answering through an infrastructure that might edit out some of the issues it might have. Uh, I, the point, one of the uh, points that was brought up by several people was that we need to work uh, in terms of education again to um, highlight uh, Indigenous arts through the school systems, uh, possibly to have an annual celebration within the city of Indigenous culture and arts, something possibly held on uh, June 21st. Um, uh, maybe uh, a power within the city. The land acknowledgement has already been mentioned as a key part of uh, something that can be initiated and something that should be part of uh, city council. Uh, but the most, I think, essential point was that uh, an action is needed to uh, on this particular uh, portfolio or whatever you would call it, because it should infuse all aspects uh, of uh, life in the city. Uh, a couple people mentioned uh, improving City Hall uh, simply visually by uh, including some indigenous art. But I, a point that uh, uh, was raised was that we need to think about indigenous art and artists beyond visual art uh, to literary art, performance art, music, media, and also working with existing agencies and organizations in town, uh, in the city, who are uh, you know, who are part of the infrastructure of arts, the arts world, to uh, be the vehicles to also get support, to support whatever initiatives that come to as to how we are going to empower art and artists. Thanks, Julia. Thanks, John. Those are all really, really important ideas that we can take action on. Okay, we have two more tables to report, I think. Sue McGregor-Hunter and Emily Martin, you were thinking about capital investment in the city. Right. Um, so one of the things that we did when we were asking the question of our candidates was that they think about capital investments not just for large facilities such as Market Hall and that sort of thing, but also it could mean 
um, an existing organization needs to upgrade their heating system? And how do we handle that sort of uh, facility type of idea? So we had um, a lot of different opinions and a lot of different ideas. Uh, all recognize that it's a good return on investment for the city. Um, some feel that the city is doing enough, and, but the majority feels that it needs to be a higher priority. Um, we had some interesting ideas. Zach Hatton said that as a new councillor, he doesn't have enough, he wouldn't have enough information. And so he would suggest that there be a study uh, with input from artists as to what is there, but also what is needed so that he could make an informed decision. Dean Pappas pointed out that councillors used to sit on boards of a lot of arts organizations and that they were taken off, and he suggested that they needed to be back on there again as part of their education system uh, for them. And Dean also pointed out that an awful lot of councillors don't go to arts events, and so they are not necessarily getting their own education about not only arts, but what facilities are needed. Um, Charmaine mentioned that she thinks that, that the arts officer is very good. Kim Zibel mentioned that she felt that we already have an arts committee, but perhaps it needs to have a change in its parameters so that it becomes more of an advocacy uh, for artists to council, because after all, it is an advisory committee, and so maybe it needs to be more of that advocacy group. Um, a few people said that councillors are not experts and so therefore they need to be consulting with the arts community much more. Um, Henry Clark talked about uh, the, the, especially for smaller organizations needing facility help, that that is why he was an advocate, an advocate for participatory budgeting. So where groups could come and tell council exactly the kind of funding they need so that it's much more of a participatory uh, event and not just a budgeting event. Um, oh, two minutes, Rob. Oh, because we did mention city of uh, community grants. Sheila Woods mentioned that the city of Kingston funds their community grants $500,000 as opposed to the two hundred and one hundred and twenty-four thousand that we do in Peterborough and Jenny lived in, in uh, the city of Kingston and said that investment shows. Thank you very much. And I'm mentioned that now that we have the casino, whether we want or not, we have the casino, that the uh, dollars coming from the casino be put into arts facilities. <laughs> Thank, thanks very much, Sue and Emily and, and everyone. I, I think that question was a really key one in terms of reflecting a challenge that a lot of us have in that we, none of us, fully understand, and it's, it's particular to municipal governments, how decisions about capital funding are made. How does a particular project come to the table? And it needs to be a lot more significant than advocating at public budget meetings. Um, it's a challenge. We don't have a party system. There isn't a minister. The minister doesn't send a mandate to his deputy, etc. So that was a really critical question to open up in terms of how do certain things get on the table. And we, we certainly have felt that arts capital investment has been not on the table. Thanks.
Chad and Kelly. Can you do it? Can you do it? Yeah. Come on up. <laughs> oh, you've got a mic. You've yeah, got a mic. We're good, Go. Yeah. Uh, what was your question? Deeply, it is what does the future look like for the arts, culture, and heritage sector? Um, so, very blue sky question. Um, I think one of the uh, general takeaways is that. Uh, most of the candidates uh, support uh, an increase in support for artists and uh, the various facilities and uh, different organizations that make it all operate together. Um, the word vibrancy came up quite a bit, as it often does when this question is asked. Um, but generally speaking, I think most of the candidates felt optimistic about it. Um, I'm just trying to wrap in some generalities right here. Kelly's going to explain some specifics from various candidates. So a lot that was said at this table seems to have been said at other tables in relation to other aspects of what culture means and what the arts are. And there was a lot of discussion about the relationship, the top-down, bottom-up relationship between the arts and Peterborough. Um, and Dean Pappas again suggested also that there be more involvement with politicians with, with the arts so that they become, they come out to events more often and that they're involved with the boards of directors rather than the onus be on artists to go up to politicians and demand more money. Um, and I think that's a very important point that there needs to be, there needs to be a, a convergence of the problem, um, that people need to come together on this and to stop pointing at each other. Um, that's sorry, that was the editorializing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, Kim made a very, very important point about the diversification of space um, so that the arts need to be brought into places outside of the downtown, not only embraced by the downtown. So, brought out to the casino, we don't, again, if the space is there, we need to show things there. There needs to be more culture, more art in places outside of the downtown if there's a real lack. Um, sorry, uh, there was also this wonderful statement, we'll just end with it, it's a beautiful way of ending the night, by Jim Russell, uh, who invented Jim Russell, 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 Jim Russell, Russell, sorry, Jim Russell, I apologize, Town Ward, I need the phone, uh, who, who admitted to this question, it wasn't the blue sky's answer, that he was scared, he was worried about conservative values that are turning, or that are trucking the, uh, the value of the artworks and cultural work in our society, uh, and that the purpose of art is much larger, larger than any mandate, that art fills a place, an important role in our, in our world, in our society, and is especially important when things like that have been important cultural pillars like the church and family are on the decline. Um, he's incredibly scared for artists in this neoconservative climate, and I think that we can all echo that fear. Um, That's it. Kelly and Chad, thanks. That was a great summary. Gives us some important food for thought for the future. So that is a wrap. Woo! What a marathon um, on the uh, roundtable exercises. Thank you all so much. Thank you for listening to the Electric City Culture Cast's Arts Vote Peterborough broadcast. There were some great candidates elected this year, and we're looking forward to working with them.